energy. The guy told me I was no spring chicken anymore, and that's why my ankle was still hurting. I'm 33, not 133. The passion. The Red Sox handling of Xander Bogarts is a complete organizational failure. The opinions on all your favorite teams. No, not this year, but it's next year where Bill Belichick ends up on the hot seat. This is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. What's up, everybody? Brady Farkas Show here on a Tuesday on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Yes, the intro is not fixed yet. I had promised you it would be fixed by today. It will be fixed by Thursday. We don't have a show tomorrow because we have high school basketball doubleheader going on, so we're off the air. So we're on the air, you know, for that at 5:30. So no show for me tomorrow. Tomorrow I will be working on the intro. So by Thursday we will have a new intro, and everybody on the text line can uh, stop bothering me. That 802-585-3026. Peter says. I'm out in the open for the first time in forever. I'm listening online. Thank you very much, Peter. And a texter says this. I heard your tease from earlier today. You've still got football to talk about, my friend. The XFL starts this weekend. It was such a fun league in 2020 until COVID. I'm very much looking forward to its return with its fun and modern rules. I'm a season ticket holder for DC. I'm looking forward to making the trip down for Sunday night games this weekend. That's Nate. Nate, you enjoy the XFL. Be a season ticket holder all you want. Watch every game. Go to every game. I tell you honestly, I have no interest. I have zero interest in the XFL. And 802, we'll start the show right there. 802-585-3026. We have two spring football leagues, right? We have the XFL and... I think we have the USF, the USFL coming back, right? So we have spring football. So football is not over. I ask you, are you interested? 802-585-3026. Me, I have no interest. Now, I'm not judging you if you do. I just don't. I've said this many, many times. I like good football. I don't like more football. And I just think that the XFL the USFL, and most college football is not very good football. It's just, it's that simple to me. I have interest in things that are high level, and that's really it, okay? I watch Major League Baseball. I don't watch Minor League Baseball, right? I will will go to a Minor League game if I know that there is a top prospect playing. Right, If I'm out with my buddies and we're drinking beer and it's about a good time and it's not really about the baseball, I'll go to a minor league game. Or I'll go to a minor league game if there is a top prospect playing. Right, And those top prospects don't exist in the XFL because if they were top prospects, they would be drafted. It's that simple. So I don't watch a lot of minor league baseball. I watch the NBA. I don't watch the G League. Okay, I watch... High-level college basketball among ranked teams. I'm not. You can't. You can't catch me watching a whole lot of, uh, you know, 
the seventh versus eighth team in the ACC. I'm not going to spend a lot of time watching the WAC and their four and five teams go against each other. I don't look for more sports. I'm looking for good sports. You don't see me watching junior hockey. You don't see me watching most college hockey. I like to watch things when they're done at the highest level. College football, why do you think I'm not as in tune with the NFL draft until we get closer to draft time? Because I'm not watching a lot of college football. I'll watch your ranked games, right? Alabama and Auburn when it's one versus five. Michigan, Ohio State, I'm all in on all that stuff. But you can't find me watching Iowa State and Kansas State in the noon time slot on November 10th when both teams are four and six. That's not how I roll. So, no, I have zero interest in the XFL. I have zero interest in the USFL. Again, these places deserve to exist 1,000%. I want them to exist, right? I believe that players should have the opportunity to play, and I believe that it's good for them to have opportunities where they can get paid, where they can get noticed to potentially go to the NFL and become a great story. I think the XFL and the USFL could be a breeding ground for new officials, which the sport needs. Could be a breeding ground for new coaches, which the sport needs. Can be a breeding ground for new test rules, which the sport needs. Can be a place to cultivate minority candidates, which the sports, which the sport needs. A lot of people can get a job, can get their foot in the door, player, executive, coach, equipment person, athletic trainer, they can all get their foot in the door in a, in a league like this, in the USFL or the XFL. I think the, I absolutely think the league should exist. I just won't be watching, right? I won't be watching. When the XFL was around in 2000, I watched opening day and that was probably it. When the XFL came back around before COVID, I watched a game. I gambled on the USFL once or twice when that when that started. I did. So I, I was, or the Alliance of American Football, I gambled on once or twice. So like, I have flipped it on and kept it on my TV before, but by and large, no interest. I can't tell you the cities that these teams are in. I can't tell you players that are playing. I can't tell you who the coaches are. I, that's, that's just me. Not interested. If Nate wants to be interested, be interested. That like, I know people that have season tickets to minor league games. Go do it. You want to be a season ticket holder to a college basketball team that is, you know, ten and twenty-one. Go do it. That's just not for me, right? When I have these, when I have these other subsets of sports to watch, I like to watch knowing that there's a chance they're going to make an impact at the highest level, right? Like I said, minor league, I used to love going to Lake Monsters games, right? Part of it is the environment. Part of it is I'm like, am I seeing the next big star, right? And when you're watching low A baseball or double A baseball or triple A baseball, you have a chance to be watching the next star, right? When I worked at the Tri-City Valley Cats, I knew when Michael Conforto came to town, he was the Mets' first round pick. I knew that when A.J. Reed got drafted by the Astros and came to play in Tri-City, I knew he was the Astros, I believe, second-round pick and was up for the Golden Spikes Award in college baseball. I was in on watching those guys because they just might have been the next big thing. Right? And I'll watch high-level college basketball. I'll watch high-level high school basketball to see 
top prospects play. You can't find me watching the G League, right? NBC Sports Boston will show the G League Celtics games sometimes. Have not watched one minute this year. I want top-of-the-line sports. I do not want more. I don't just need more sports. I love sports more than anybody, you know, more than a lot of people. But I'm not so desperate to get content that I'll just watch anything that's on my TV. That's not going to happen. Okay? I will give myself a little break from sports if it comes to that's all there is. But again, I'm not begrudging Nate or anybody. You want to watch this, that, or the other? Go right ahead. You want to watch Premier League soccer? You want to watch bass fishing on Sunday morning? I don't care. I'm just not going to be there with you. From this point forward, here is where I am at. Right? It is February 14th. As far as I am concerned, I will be kind of turning my mind off of football content until the combine. Right? We'll talk about any rumors and things like that. We'll play audio clips and we will react. We won't be devoid of football for the next 15 days. But I'm not thinking a lot. Like the next football event in my mind is, is the combine in 14 days from this point then free agency in 29 days, then the draft. I have little to no interest in the XFL and the USFL. If somebody there is tearing it up and gets brought into somebody's mini camp like P.J. Walker did back in the day, then I, then I will find that will be my reason to care. But right now, I do not have one. So NBA, NHL will pivot there. Spring training, World Baseball Classic, March Madness, Major League Baseball season, NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball again, football training camp, and now we go in the football season. That's where I'm at. Nowhere in the Brady Farkas sports watching calendar is the XFL or the USFL. And again, I'm not trying to shame anybody that wants to watch it. I love Major League. I will watch the World Baseball Classic. I will watch some spring training games. I will definitely watch Red Sox spring training coverage. A lot of you won't be bothering to check out baseball until March 31st opening day, and that's fine too. Everybody has their different likes. Uh, Joe says, not an interest, uh, not interested at all in the XFL or the USFL. These leagues have tried how many times and folded. No thanks. I, yeah. But again, for me, why do they fold? That's the question. Why do they fold? They fold because the the football is not that great and because the environment is not as conducive to like a minor league baseball game, right? Like a minor league baseball game is low cost, low pressure, sit around, have some beers, don't have to necessarily play to the play to even watch the game. The kids can run around. There's a lot of fan type stuff to do with the game. I don't know that that stuff is there at the XFL or the USFL. It's a lot harder to just be a fan experience at a football game. Milo says, I didn't know they even still had the XFL. I thought it went out with arena football. I need to find out even who the teams are. Right? Like, I need to find out who the teams are. Um, let's see. All right. The XFL is eight teams, I believe. Yes, eight teams, North and South Division. 
There's a team in D.C. coached by Reggie Barlow. Oh, Jim Hazlitt coaches the Seattle team. Anthony Beck, who I like, he coaches, he's a former Jets tight end. He coaches St. Louis. Rod Woodson, the Hall of Famer, coaches the Vegas team. Arlington is coached by Bob Stoops, formerly of Oklahoma. Houston is coached by Wade Phillips. Former Dolphins DB Terrell Buckley coaches Orlando. And San Antonio is coached by Heinz Ward. So that's cool. Right, like there's there are a, there are big names with this. Uh, some n- notable players are playing in this. Uh, Josh Gordon, remember, is going to be in. Martavis Bryant, remember, these are a couple guys with some problems in the NFL. Former Cowboys quarterback Ben DiNucci is going to be in it. Paxton Lynch is going to be in it. Uh, AJ McCarron is going to be in it. So there are some former NFL players, but see, it's a lot of guys just hanging on. A lot of guys hanging on looking for another chance. That's not something that interests me. The USFL starts their season in April. They also have eight teams. There's a team. There's, They're doing it differently. They're having hub cities. So the team from Michigan is playing out of Detroit. The team from Philadelphia is also playing out of Detroit. New Jersey and Pittsburgh are playing out of Canton, Ohio. And the teams from uh, Birmingham and New Orleans are playing out of Alabama. And Houston and Memphis are out of Memphis. And there are good coaches in this league too, but not as big a names as in the XFL. All right. So there you go. Again, these should exist all they want. I'm just not that interested. Text says, uh, Nate says, I'm not surprised by your response, but I'm glad you're talking about it. At least you're having fun with it, mate. Uh, yeah, Joe says Ben DiNucci's in the XFL. Yes, I just said that, but he had me beat on it first. Someone says, I have more interest in college basketball with March Madness around the corner. So, yes, I think we're all interested in that. Texter says, Brady, what about the Kentucky Derby? That's true. I forgot about horse racing. Of course, I'm interested in the big horse racing events too, right? Um, you know, the Triple Crown, I will watch always. So, Derby, Preakness, uh, Belmont, and then I'll watch the fourth one. I'll watch the Travers because it's in Saratoga, which is right by where I grew up. So, uh, you know, I've been to Saratoga many times, so I'll watch the Travers also, sometimes the Breeders' Cup. So, you know, I'm in on horse racing at its biggest level as well. I used to go to Saratoga a couple times a summer. I don't get into it beyond if I'm actually there, but I do enjoy, you know, I did enjoy going to the races despite the fact that I couldn't pick a horse to save my damn life. Um, You know, UFC minimal interest like i have interest in the stories of usc i don't really like seeing people get their noses broken and their faces bashed in like i i don't really care for blood and injuries all that much but i do find the drama of the usc ufc pretty interesting so uh you know i'm interested in that too to a degree it is the brady farkas show on wdev am and fm as some of you have been doing already you can get in on the napa morrisville napa waterbury text line always 802 585 3026. We are off the air in an hour, by the way, at 645 high school uh, basketball tonight. Boys hoops between U32 and Spalding. I'm actually okay with getting out early today. I don't love getting out early, like a little inside radio there. I like when we have full shows, but today's Valentine's Day. Any chance to get me to my dinner reservation 15 minutes earlier, I'm all right with. Uh, Former UVM hoops coach Tom Brennan is calling in as we speak, so I better take up that call in a second. But, uh, again, the opening thoughts on the Brady Farkas show have been brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber. 
Vermont's most complete locally owned home center. Locations in Enosburg, Derby, Middlesex, St. Albans, and at Swanton Lumber. They're online at sticksandstuff.com. Will says, by the end of football season, I am footballed out and ready for baseball. Um, yeah, I, I, can, I can get with that. But for me, again, I'm footballed out because I know the good football is over, right? Like, if you told me that the NFL season was going to keep going and I could watch the Seahawks more and watch the Patriots more, I'd be cool with that. Like, I love high-level football. I love our teams. I know that what we've got coming is not high-level football, and then we've got, you know, OTAs and mini camps and guys in shorts and et cetera. So, again, I'm not going to be into football, actual event-related football, until the combine in two weeks, then free agency, and then the draft. We will still talk about it. I've got football on this sheet planned for today. But as far as wanting to consume these other football leagues, it's not really for me. What I do want to uh, consume is UVM men's basketball, where the Catamounts right now are rolling. They are 9-2 and two inside America East Conference play. They're winners of seven consecutive games. They're back home again tomorrow night against the University of New Hampshire. And joining me now, as he does every Tuesday, is our, well, our UVM Hoops insider, for v- former UVM Hoops coach Tom Brennan. TB, thank you for being with us. I, uh, you texted me today. I'm feeling a little lucky on this Valentine's Day. What do you mean? You know what? I, I don't know if I've told you this. If I have, please stop me. So one, of, uh, one of my dearest coaching friends said to me, uh, you're just so lucky, so lucky because you have a place to go. You have a... Yeah. You, you know, and it's so true, man. I mean, it's just unbelievable that, you know, they've taken me in, which I people say, yeah, they should take you in. Yeah, maybe maybe they should, but they have. And uh, and it's just something. And now all of a sudden I bump into the women. I just bump into them. I don't even know what the hell's going on there. And now I'm, I like going to every one of their games. I love them, too. They're going to they might win the league, too. So uh, it's just been I've been so blessed in that regard and so lucky that um, uh because if this was all I had talking to you, it would be, it would be good, but it, I don't know if it would be enough. <laughs> well, we're happy to have you on, and as we have you on on this Tuesday, the men's team is rolling. They're 9-2 and two inside league play. The women are rolling, too. They're 10-2 and two in league play. They've won 10 straight. The men have won 7, but uh, let's stick with the men here. What do you think the biggest change has been in this team over the last month or so? Finn Sullivan, mainly. Yeah. Uh, but I will say, you know uh, – the hired guns that we bought uh, to come in and clean up the town, they're doing it now. They're finally doing it. They're all playing good. You know, Verretto, I love Verretto. He's really good. Cam just fits his role. And, uh, you know, I mean, uh, I, I, I just really think that those guys have all kind of found it. You know, it's a funny story, and I can tell it because I love the kid. I don't care, if he, I don't care how he, what he thinks about it. <laughs> but about seven games ago, we were uh, – playing at home and uh and he took a three and he missed it and uh who finn and ne- uh finn i'm sorry okay. finn sullivan took a three and he missed it and the guy sitting next to me said who's a good guy good fan you know no not a not a jerk uh he said um uh he, he just shoots a lot of threes doesn't he i said he does you know and i said i think this is my theory i've never asked anybody but this is what i think i think uh, that they don't care that like, like offense, they don't care. They, they don't even talk about it that much, but you know, cause he plays the rest of the game so well and so hard 
and so productive that, you know, you live with it. He takes it. Uh, all right. Maybe we'll get the rebound. Maybe he'll make it. But since and since that moment, he's been seems like he's been at 60 percent from three. And uh, uh, and the show he put on the other night uh, was unbelievably like four or five in a row. It was just it was Steph-esque. And uh, and man, if he can do that the rest of the way, and I guess that's that's what we think he can do because that's why what, what he did before. Uh, we're gonna be we're gonna be tough to deal with. Look, he's averaging 19 a game in the seven game win streak. He's gotten over 24 times in the last six games. I think we should be talking now about Finn Sullivan maybe being Player of the Year in the American right. East Conference. You are right. I mean, again, um, uh, I've heard this since he got here. He's a player of the year guy. He's a player of the year type of guy. And, uh, and you know, you always saw flashes like last year. Uh, and, and, and again, my, my thing was, and you know, you know, I, I don't even have to tell you this, but I, you know, I'm not objective <laughs> about the cats and I'm never going to be, it's just, it's not going to, it's not going to happen. Uh, but anyway, so I'm always going to give everybody the benefit of the doubt. And the last year I thought, well, all right, he's, he'll be fine, but, you know, but it never really, it just kind of never really happened like we thought. But this year, man, oh man, he, this last stretch, he has been, he has been off the hook. And, uh, and, and again, you, you're thrilled for him because he does do, he, he does the other thing so well and so hard that you got to play him. I mean, it don't matter. It don't matter if you don't make a shot, he's still got to play, you know. And the fact that he is making shots now, uh, it's just, it's tremendous. And he's, and he's really a good guy. And I'm, I'm just happy for him. What has been the thing that has surprised you most about this team, positively or negatively? What has surprised you most about this team? Now, you see, this is this is why I love you. I just tell you that I'm not objective about the team, and now you want me to pick out something positively or negatively? We well, don't go to negative. I know what I think the most. I know what I think the thing that surprises me most is. I, I want to know what I think first. While I can still remember it, the thing that surprises me most is how well we guard under the basket. I've said that Verretto and and Robin Duncan are rim protectors. We have rim protectors, except they just do it from under the rim, not over it, (laughs) but they are so good at defending the post. And you think of Verretto, he's, Oh, both of them. I mean, they're, you know, they're not supposed to be there. That's not where they're supposed to be guarding people. And yet they do it so effectively and so hard. And and it's just, uh, it's just amazing. And they're both good on offense too. It's been, uh, to me, that's been the been the biggest thing about how how we guard, uh, how efficiently we guard around the post. It's just been amazing to me. Former UVM hoops coach Tom Brennan with us here in the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM and FM WDEVRadio.com. Let me ask you a couple of questions. I won't say they're negatives, but they are wonderments that I have. We're pretty much down to a seven man rotation, right? Like seven guys really play and do a lot of the work for this team. Do you worry at all about not having enough? depth as we get later in the season and as we get towards the playoffs uh, i don't brady because um i just feel like uh, uh everybody's had their chance you know wh- whoever the whoever the guys who aren't playing that much right now they've all had their chance and mm-hmm. uh, and this is the way it's this is the way it is now now john is the best that i've ever seen at having guys come back from the dead He's just amazing. A guy will play two or three games, and then he'll come back, and boom, and he'll be ready. So he does he does a great job there. So the fact, yes, we do have seven, seven strong. I think they're going to be very efficient. Uh, but but he's just been very good at, you know, taking somebody else and putting them in, and, and they do fine. So uh, he, 
we have guys that I think he can trust. That's the point I'm trying to make. They won't get time unless they absolutely have to, I'm guessing, but um, but they should stay ready. How about TJ Hurley? He's gone silent over the last couple of games, right? Last four games, five points, zero points, three points, three points. It's not atypical for a freshman to ride the wave. How do you get a guy who has who who you know you need to count on? How do you bring him back late in the season? You just put him on a board and let him ride the next wave because that's that's just how it is. You know, you're a shooter. That's what you do. You make shots. You've always made shots. So now you're in a different world and uh, things are a little becoming a little more difficult. But you know, no, we don't worry about it. Just get in the gym and keep shooting, and uh, and then when the games come, keep shooting if you're open. And but I think the one thing about him too. Uh, Great. I think he's a basketball player. You know, uh, I would worry if he if I thought, you know, the guy's just a, you know, a jump shooter. That's what he is. But I, I don't think he's that at all. I think he's a uh, can really go to the basket. I think he's, uh, um, you know, a, a strong, tough, big guard uh, that we're going to need for a long time, not just for the next month, but for a long time. So um, I, I just, uh, you know, I, I just live with him. I, don't, I won't even. I wouldn't even discuss it except if, unless he brought it up, uh, except to say, you know, keep shooting because you're a shooter. And uh, and, and the way we play, he's going to get shots. You know, he's definitely going to get a few shots. So um, so he's just got to make the next one. I got an interesting question from a listener the other day I wanted to bring up to you, that we are so used to seeing this program develop players, right? Guys come in as freshmen, get a little better, get a little better, get a little better, and by the time they're seniors, then they're ready to kind of take over. Right now, you look at this team, it's being led by a lot of guys from the outside, a lot of grad transfers, a lot of transfers, period. And people are wondering, when this wave of guys leaves, have they done enough to develop those guys behind them? Like, do you trust what's behind them is getting better enough to take over for all this production eventually? Or is it just the way of the future that we're going to bring in four more grad transfers next year and run the whole thing back with older players again that way? I You, you hope to um mix them i think i don't know i i never i never had to worry about that uh in my time there but i just think that um the you you you, you got to win now and and like i said these guys came in for that kid came in from bellarmine because he couldn't go to the tournament last year mm-hmm. right that's all i don't know i mean i don't know I don't, no i shouldn't say that's all that's the wrong thing to say but the main reason that he came here was to go to the ncaa tournament and uh and that and that's where we are now. And it saddens me some. It really does. The, the expectations uh, make me proud, for sure, uh, especially that, <laughs> that I ain't the guy that's got to live up to them. But uh, it just – we are so spoiled. We just are so spoiled. I mean, I remember when we were like one and two, it was like the roof was caving in. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I mean, people would call me and they, I don't know, I don't know, it's, uh, you know, it's not working or whatever it might be. And, um, and and I, and I remember some. My grandson called me. Said, "We'll be nine and two. Don't worry. Don't worry." <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's kind of what we were. But uh, I, I, I'm not sure. I think I know this, my boy. I don't cry at senior night anymore because <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to cry for a guy been here six months. You yeah, know? <laughs> yeah. But anyway, uh, it, it. I think it's important if you if we're going to talk about that. Uh, who you bring in, you know, you got to bring in guys that work, you know, and, and I, what, what I'm impressed with this group about is they didn't come out just smoking. Uh, you know, a matter of fact, this year we went the other way. 
and yet they never got rattled. I was very impressed with that. Like I'd go to practice and, you know, just hang out. And uh, it was it was impressive to me. I thought, you know, because there was a lot of pressure on them, I think. You know, I mean, hey, this is what we do here. We, we brought you in uh, because we were sure you could help us continue to do that. And, uh, you know, and it, in the beginning, it didn't work out that way. And um, but it's, it has certainly worked out that way for the last seven, eight games. And um, it, it just it's interesting to me uh, just to see uh, how much better we've gotten. I mean, I, I, I think it's immeasurably better. And uh, and now if we can keep going and, you know, and this is the thing too, my boy, like this, I do remember from coaching and I am and was a positive guy. You know that. And yet. You, you, right now, right now, you're saying, "Man, we are rolling, right? We are tapping people out, and and this is just what we wanted to do, and right where we wanted to be." Uh, and dear God, please, please let us keep doing it. <laughs> TB, they are rolling nine and two inside league play, winners of seven straight. Looking for a revenge game tomorrow night against UNH. So, looking to see how that one goes against the Wildcats. TB, love talking with you as always. We'll talk again in seven days. Always a pleasure, my boy. You be good. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day to you as well. Thank you very much. That was former UVM Hoops coach Tom Brennan. Nate says on the text line, I was at the game on Saturday night. They are rolling right now, shooting the lights out. I told you earlier in the season the team took a step back, and I didn't know if they could win the conference. Right now, I take it all back. We're going to uh, kind of pick up after the CBS News update on that note, I got a bunch of takeaways on what Coach Brennan just said. I got some thoughts on Finn Sullivan maybe being player of the year. And I want to talk to Nate or talk about what Nate just said. And frankly, I want to gloat a little bit. We'll do it next on the Brady Farkas Show on DEV. Make your opinion heard by texting onto the Brady Farkas Show at 802 585 3026. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in. Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. High School Hoops tonight, 645. It is U32. It's Spalding on the boys' side. Brent Curtis on the call there. You can always find when the show is done, by the way, all of our interviews, like the one we just did with Coach Brennan, and our full show podcast on our podcast channel. It's free, and you get it right there for free every day on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. I want to react a little bit to what Coach Brennan said. I got some of my own points on UVM hoops here. The Cats are 9-2 and two inside league play. They have won seven straight, and right now they are well clear of uh, Binghamton here in first place. Number one, kind of addressing what Nate said. Nate said before in a text message before CBS News, like, I didn't think this team could win it all early in the season. What we're seeing right now, this is why this show and I did not write UVM off. The Catamounts right now are out here making statements. Saturday night was a statement against UMass Lowell. You get five players in double figures. You put up 93 points. You hit 14 threes, I think. That was a dominant performance a team that had beaten you earlier in the year when you were less than 100 comes to your place and you just whitewashed them uvm only ended up winning by 12 that was just kind of lazy defense at the end i mean uvm was up nearly 30 at one point they dominated that's why earlier in the year 
I and we did not write off this team or this program. No, it did not always look clean, but we knew there was a chance for this team to take off and find itself at the top of the league standings once again. I remember saying this specifically multiple times. Even through the non-conference struggles, the expectation should be to still win the conference in the regular season. I can't guarantee you this team wins the league tournament. They should because they should finish number one. They should be the favorite there, therefore, and they should have home court advantage because of it. This team should win the conference tournament also. I can't guarantee you they will just yet. But earlier in the season, I said, even through all the struggles, the standards should not change. The expectations should not change. Maybe they won't go 15-1 and one inside league play. Maybe they'll have to win it at 11-5, and five, but the goal should still be to win this league outright in the regular season. Right now, they are well on their way to doing that. They're getting contributions, to TB's point, from all the guys you'd expect them to. They're getting enough help from the bench in moments. And right now, they're playing really good basketball. This team is good. I still don't think they're a threat to win a game in the NCAA tournament. Right? That, that I believe, is not in the cards for this team. That said, right now, the goal is just to simply get to the NCAA tournament. And maybe I'll feel differently in a month if they actually do. This team is good enough, though, to win its league, to get home court advantage in the tournament, to be the number one seed, and to win, again, another title on its home floor in the conference tournament. That right now is the goal, and this team is positioned to do that. Look, you start getting five guys in double figures, you start hitting 10 threes or more, you start shooting 50% from three, you're going to beat everybody in this league. Bryant can score. They can't play defense. UVM would put up 100 on them playing like they've been playing offensively right now. They just showed what they could do to UMass Lowell. 93 points in a 40-minute game. That was absurd offensive uh, productivity on Saturday night. It was a... It was an absolute statement. Text says, Happy Valentine's, Brady. Appreciate you and your sports show. Oh, well, thank you very much to the listeners. That's very, very nice of you. Number two. So UVM, I, by the way, I like I said, I kept the expectations high, and right now they're hitting them. UNH comes to town tomorrow night. Cats look to get to 10-2. and two. Number two on UVM. It is, mark it down, February 14th, 6-10 p.m., it is officially time to start talking about Finn Sullivan as an America East Player of the Year candidate. It is time to put Finn Sullivan not only in the conversation, it's time to put him at the top of the conversation. Two weeks ago, we're talking about if Robin Duncan can win the award, and we're kind of trying to talk ourselves into it a little bit. There's no talking yourself in to Finn Sullivan right now. He is a bona fide candidate, and for my money right now, he is the leader in the clubhouse. He is carrying this team as it stands, right? Coach Brennan just told you, last month of the season, he is the big difference, right? He is the difference in this team for the last month. Last seven games, Finn Sullivan's averaging 19 points a game. He's gotten 20 or more four times in the last six games. That doesn't happen in the America East. I've been around the America East for seven years. 
actually for 10 years when you include the time I worked at Albany, I don't remember guys going on runs like that where they would just get 20 seemingly every night in a period. Jameel Warney at Stony Brook could do it because he was that big. When I was at Albany, they had really good players, right? Evan Singletary was great, and Peter Hooley was really good, and Sam Rowley was really good. I don't remember stretches where they were just getting 25, 25, 28. I don't remember that. Like, this is new. Trayvill Haynes wasn't getting 20 every night. Lamb could do it, so it can be done. But this is a rarity, what we're seeing right now from Finn Sullivan. 19 points a game over the last seven. 20 or more four times in the last six here. He's shooting 51% from the floor over the last seven games. He leads the team in scoring in six of the last seven games. That's what a player of the year is. Simple. You want to look at a resume and say, who's the player of the year? That resume checks the boxes. When you give out the player of the year award, you are looking for the most dominant player in the league and or the most well-rounded player in the league. And Finn Sullivan right now is both. They don't win seven straight games without him catching fire. You talk about, is it the best player? Is it the most valuable player? Right now, Finn Sullivan is both of those things. The best player in the league and the most valuable player in the league. Offensively, defensively, he's got the ability to rebound. He's doing everything for this team. He is doing everything for this team. And I want to give some credit to... Our friend Brian McLaughlin, who was on the show a couple weeks ago, and he said that, like, don't discount Finn Sullivan's ability to get hot here. Don't discount Finn Sullivan's ability to make a run. I I have the interview. I don't know that I have the clip here at the right spot. Brian McLaughlin was on with us on February 3rd. I want to see if this is the right spot. This Vermont team. Now, they, everybody always says, oh, they'll give it to the best player on the best team. That thing comes down to if if that is how it goes. Um, best player, say UVM's the best team. Who is Vermont's best player? Because <laughs> Robin Duncan is that steady Eddie. He's averaging career highs in minutes, points, rebounds, assists. His assist-to-turnover ratio is over four in conference play. He's routinely guarding players bigger than him. He is doing it all. But at his best, Finn Sullivan remains this team's best player. And we saw that when he scored 28 against NJIT. We saw it when he scored 20 against Binghamton. Okay, right there. It took me a little bit to get to the exact point. Two weeks ago, Brian McLaughlin's telling you Finn Sullivan at his best is this team's best player. The best player on the best team. He's led them to their best stretch of the season. And he's putting up player of the year numbers. Right? And if he wins it, he'd be the seventh consecutive catamount to win it. Two, four, Trey Bell Haynes, two for Lamb, two for Ryan Davis, and now one, hopefully, for Finn Sullivan. So he's the guy right now. He is the guy right now. He has asserted himself into player of the year conversation, and I'm putting him at the top because this team is not where it is without him. A couple other things Coach Brennan said that I want to get to. We've got some of that interview cut, cut up now. Uh, I asked Coach Brennan, what do you think the biggest surprise is for this Catamounts team this year? The thing that surprises me most is how well we guard under the basket. Uh, I've said that Veretto and, and Robin Duncan are rim protectors. We have rim protectors, except they just knew it from under the rim, not over it. <laughs> uh, but they are so good at defending the post. And you- 
Now, that's a good one, right? Coach Brennan says their ability to guard the post, their ability to play down low, and that UVM has that post presence, that's the most surprising thing to him. And that is a good one because we spent a lot of the non-conference season talking about UVM getting pummeled on the glass, how their lack of size is a real issue. So the ability to defend down low is a pleasant surprise. But I'm going to simplify what Coach Brendan said. To me, the most pleasant surprise on this team is Matt Verretto. What he is doing is really remarkable. And they do mention this story on the, the ESPN Plus broadcast. I know I haven't really mentioned this story too much, though. And shame on me, because this is a great story. Matt Verretto played one year of college basketball at Delaware. And then took three years off. Right? Like, he took three full years off, and now he's back. And not only is he back on a team, he is contributing to a good team, to a team that might get to the NCAA tournament. This is an incredible story. Three years off of basketball, and Matt Verretto now has started 17 games. He's been in double figures in four of the last five for UVM. He has that defensive ability down low that that Brennan mentions, but he shoots the three ball really well too. And for a team that didn't shoot well a lot of the year, he's 40% from three. Plays big down low, smart player, aggressive player, athletic player, 40% from three. Started 17 games after three years off. I mean, that is like that is some game-changing stuff right there. That is game-changing stuff. To me, that is the story. That is the biggest surprise. Starters minutes, starters productivity, and here is UVM's gotten really hot. The uh, you know one of the reasons why is Matt Verretto again contributing offensively. Finally, if you are looking for a negative on this team right now. I would say it's TJ Hurley. And I don't mean negative to be disparaging. I mean a negative is that a guy that this team has counted on has gone cold. And UVM needs to find a way to get him hot again. TJ Hurley is a freshman. I expect freshmen to ride the wave. I know there's going to be ebbs and flows. Yes, you're going to get 20 one night. And you might get zero the next night. That is how it goes for a freshman in college basketball. It's a long season. It's a physical season. You're playing guys four and five years older than you. So I don't begrudge TJ Hurley's lack of productivity lately, but they have to find a way to get him going again. His last four games, five points, three points, zero points, three points. I don't know if that's the order, but five, three, three, and zero in the last four games. This team needs him, right? This team needs him. UVM has made it very clear they are playing a seven-man rotation at this point. There are only seven people that are really going to be on the floor for this team, especially when it counts, right? Finn Sullivan is one. Dylan Penn is one. Robin Duncan is one. That's three. Matt Barreto is four. Cam Gibson is five. Aaron Deloney is six. And TJ Hurley is seven. If you're only going to have a seven-man rotation, you better get something productive out of all seven. And what TJ Hurley brings to the table is his ability to score. Now, 
Coach Brennan told me he's not only a scorer. He can contribute in other ways, and that's true. But what he brings to the table most is scoring. Right? Can we get him to a point where he's getting seven a night from this point forward? I'm not asking him to get 18, but I need more than three. Can we get seven a night moving forward? Because if you can start to get the productivity out of your starters that you're getting, where Sullivan can score a lot and Penn scoring a lot, those two are carrying you. And then you get, you know, eight to 14 from Duncan and you get six to nine from Gibson and you get seven to 12 from Veretto. And now you can go and count on 10 from Deloney and seven from Hurley. You're only playing seven guys, but you are getting robust scoring out of those seven. So if you're asking me for what even in all the right is going wrong for UVM, it's that they haven't been able to get a lot from TJ Hurley lately. And he's good enough to give them a lot and they need him to. You're going to need that depth. And you're going to need guys that can contribute. And TJ Hurley can be that guy. We've seen it. They just got to get him back to it. And I asked Brennan how to get him going. Put him on a board and let him arrive the next wave. Because that's that's just how it is. You know, you're a shooter. That's what you do. You make shots. You've always made shots. So now you're in a different world. And uh, things are a little becoming a little more difficult. But, you know, no, we don't worry about it. Just get in the gym and keep shooting. And, uh, and then when the games come, keep shooting if you're open. And... But I think the one thing about him, too, uh, great, I think he's a basketball player. You know, uh, I, I would worry if he, if I thought, you know, the guy's just a, you know, a jump shooter. That's what he is. But I, I don't think he's that at all. I think he's a uh, uh, can really go to the basket. I think he's, uh, um, you know, a, a strong, tough, big guard. Yeah, he just, they got to find a way to get him going. It is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM and WDEV Radio.com. Uh, I want to get to who's saying what here. This is a good one. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What did he say? Well, they have an expensive but totally unimpressive receiving core, and they have at absolute best, at most charitable, the ninth best quarterback in their own conference. They really said that? Every damn thing is politics and race, and I'm losing my mind over it. It's time for Who's Saying What on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEVAM-FM and WDEVradio.com. I'm going to have to make a note to myself. Not only do I need to update the intro, I need to update who's saying what and get that Nick Wright football take out of there that's been there all season. This one might replace it. So Red Sox first pitchers and catchers full workout is tomorrow, and we're going to be full go by the end of the week when it comes to spring training. So I'm very excited about baseball. But one guy for the Red Sox that's not going to be at spring training, obviously, is Trevor Story, right? He's out for most or all of the season with that elbow issue after needing surgery last month. Well, Chris Russo of the MLB Network had this to say about Story. What is he doing? He's stealing money. What the hell is he doing? He should have gotten you. his surgery. They were out of it in August. Why did they get the surgery done in August? They could have played at the beginning of the year. Preacher. That's a joke with him. Now, I get the sentiment, right? Chris Russo is like... Trevor Story is not playing. Trevor Story is making a lot of money. Anytime any player is injured and collecting a big paycheck, people will say he's stealing money. Everybody says that. So Russo is saying that Story should have gotten surgery last year or early in the offseason. And Mike Felger, who's the other guy in there, is agreeing with him. I have to push back on that because from what we've been told, 
this was a new elbow injury, and that's what Russo there is not realizing. Now, Trevor Story has had elbow concerns before. They're well-documented. He's had elbow issues before. Buster Olney had told us that there's worries about Story's elbow. So if this was something that he played through all of last year and was an issue, then yes, he could have gotten it done. And then in that case, I would be on Russo's side. But we've been told this is a new elbow injury. This is not the old one, right? So Story heals up from last year. Then he starts working out in December around Christmas time when he's making throws, and all of a sudden he gets a new issue in his elbow. If that is true, which of, which right now I just have to believe, then I can't blame him for not getting surgery earlier because he didn't have the problem here earlier. That's like saying, look, I had a foot problem that you know healed up or that I've had continual foot problems, but then I go to work out and now I've got my bicep is an issue and now I need surgery there. Well, Brady, you should have gotten surgery on the foot. Well, the foot was a problem before. My bicep is the problem now. This is a different issue for Story apparently than was out there before. So I can't get on him for stealing money here. I just can't. Um, if it was the old injury, I could say that. But since it's a new one and I have to believe it's a new one, I can't go that route. Uh, Alex Cora, by the way, did speak for the first time today at spring training. Had a couple of interesting nuggets on the Red Sox. One, Christian Arroyo is this team's second baseman. So that means that Kike Hernandez has the lead on shortstop. But I really think the Red Sox are going to be versatile and matchup dependent. Now, Aldoberto Mondesi's health is obviously part of the equation here. But I believe, so you have really four spots or four guys for three spots. I think they're all going to play a lot if they're healthy, right? We talk about uh, Arroyo, Kike Hernandez, Mondesi, and Adam Duvall. I think they're all going to play. I could see a scenario where Duvall's in center, Kike's in short, and Arroyo's in second. I could see a scenario where Kike's at second and Duvall's in center and Hernandez and uh, Mondesi's at short. I could see a scenario where Mondesi's at second, Hernandez is at short, and Duvall's in center. I can see all those permutations. The one thing I would worry about is Kike Hernandez is is learning is too wrong is not the right term, but. Kike Hernandez is going to be playing shortstop, and I would think they want to keep him there a lot to gain comfort and familiarity. Do they want to be bouncing him all around as if he's a utility player? I don't know that. And I, when I talk to Tom uh, Karen tomorrow, I'm going to ask him a question or a variation of a question like that. But I can see them all playing. My question is how much do they want to move Kike around, but I see them all playing. Two... Cora said that when it comes to the batting order, he's going to split up Masataka Yoshida and Rafael Devers in the order. He does not want those two lefties back-to-back. Why is that a big deal? Well, Yoshida is a leadoff hitter, so that means Devers is not going to hit second. Devers has hit second a bunch before. He likes hitting second. He's good at hitting second. You get more at-bats when you're hitting second than when you're hitting somewhere else down in the order because right, it just comes around more often in the lineup. So you are going to be taking Devers out of a spot that he likes and a spot that gets more plate appearances. He'll probably just go down to third 
But then my question is, who hits second? Right? Obviously, the Red Sox and Cora, if they're splitting up the lefties, want a righty there. So, Kike Hernandez, Christian Arroyo, Adam Duvall, Justin Turner, those are your primary right-handed hitters. Which one of them inserts themselves into that number two spot? I don't know. That'll be another question for TC. I mean, Turner is a guy who handles the bat very well, but you might want him in more of a run-producing position. So maybe he doesn't fit there. I guess I would say probably probably Turner or Kike, but I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, if I'm looking at the Red Sox lineup now, I'm thinking that Turner's probably best in the cleanup spot. So if I'm mapping this out, Yoshida's at one, Devers is at three, Turner's at four, Verdugo at five, Casas at five, Duvall at six, you know, Casas at seven if Verdugo's at five, uh, Arroyo at eight, and the catcher at nine. That's probably kind of a good thought. We'll talk with TC about it. And then finally, Alex Cora said uh, he's not sold on just having a five-man pitching rotation. This was interesting because something I've been thinking about and I will be thinking about here as we move through spring training. I could very much get on board with the Red Sox having a six-man pitching rotation. Given the health concerns of their rotation, I think having a six-man rotation could be a good thing for this team. Right? Sale, Paxton, Kluber, Whitlock all have health concerns. Then... Pavetta and Bayo, and Bayo's got innings concerns. Whitlock also has innings concerns. So I think I think a six-man rotation would be a good way to alleviate some of those concerns. And then you look at the bullpen. The bullpen is supposed to be pretty good. So you know I think that you could trust those guys to you know, and they're veteran enough that uh, you know if you can get if you're taking a guy out of the pen to put in the rotation, I still think this pen is good enough to be all right. You know, put a long guy in the pen, maybe like a Cutter Crawford or something. We'll see what happens. But I'm going to ask TC about all that stuff. That's right. My spring training mind is going. It's the Brady Farkas Show here on WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com. Speaking of Major League Baseball, the new rules are taking effect day one of spring training. I'll remind you exactly what they are, and I'll take you through some of the finer points of baseball in 2023. That's coming up next on the Brady Farkas Show on DEV. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in. Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV High School Basketball. Coming up about 12 minutes from now, it is boys hoops between U32 and Spalding. Brent Curtis on the coverage there, live from the home of the Crimson Tide. So we'll be with us here at about 645 for that. Uh, all right, Major League Baseball, remember, spring training begins this week, and as a result, Major League Baseball's new rules will be in effect from day one. Now, if you watch the World Baseball Classic, the new rules will not be used there. So there will be an adjustment, certainly for players who are playing in the World Baseball Classic, but also for us as fans because we'll be kind of going back and forth. But a uh, couple of things that have happened on the Major League Baseball rules front, and just so we kind of get everything out here. One, Major League Baseball has made it official. 
the extra inning, extra runner starting at second base, that is back, and that is back for good. I know a lot of you are not crazy about it. I like the extra runner rule. I wish it was happening in the 11th or the 12th inning. My preference would be the 12th, certainly the 11th. I don't love that it's happening in the 10th, but it is back, and it is back for good. It's back to shorten game times, create action, create urgency, use strategy, save bullpens, etc. That rule is back. That rule is no longer on a year-to-year basis. That rule is just part of baseball now. Beginning in the 10th inning, we get the extra runner, the free runner at second base. Yes, it's gimmicky. Yes, it's going to impact wins and losses like it's been doing for the last two years. I do like the urgency. I do like the strategy. I do like uh, what it forces managers and teams to do. Do we want to bunt the runner over? Do we want to walk the guy? I like all of it. But I would have liked it in the 12th inning, certainly the 11th. I'm not crazy about it happening in the 10th. I can be, we can have a gimmick, but even in hockey, they're playing hockey until they go to shootout. Now, I know that they, uh, you know, only are playing three on three, so it's still a little gimmicky, but I'd like to play baseball for at least an inning or two before we go to this. It is not that way in the playoffs, so straight up baseball in the playoffs. Number two, you're going to have to get used to the infield shift, right? There is a banning of the shift, or at least an altering of the shift. So as you start watching spring training games, get used to that. The rule is there must be two infielders on each side of second base when the ball is released. And they must be in the infield. But Brady, can the shortstop stand right next to second base and then sprint over to the other side as the ball is released? The answer to that is no. If you circumvent that rule, you will be punished. So... Two infielders on each side of second base. You can still shift those infielders, right? Like, you can still have the shortstop right next to second base if you want to, but he can't be behind the bag. He can't be on the other side of the bag, etc. And all these guys have to be in the infield. So, there's that. Um, What else we got here? Oh, other things that people will do to try to circumvent this is they will play their infielders in the right spot. And then they will likely bring one of their outfielders over and put that outfielder in short right field, right? Like you used to see the second baseman in short right field. You might now see the left fielder in short right field while the center fielder and right fielder play their positions. That is legal, but you obviously are exposing all of left field if you choose to do that, right? Bloop triples down the line, singles that become doubles and triples. You are in trouble if you do such things. So we'll see what happens there, but uh, you are allowed to play that way. Three is the pitch clock. We know that, and it's 20 seconds with a guy on base. It's 15 seconds with a guy with nobody on base. If the pitcher does not throw the ball in time, it is an automatic ball. So you will see people walk without pitches being thrown. You will see balls called without pitches being thrown. They're hoping to get all of the kinks out in spring training, but likely in April, you will see pitchers charged with balls without having thrown a pitch. And there is a possibility that the bases will be loaded in the bottom of the ninth inning, and it will be a 3-2 count. 
and a pitcher will not release the ball in time, and it will just be ball four, and that's just how the game will end. That is a real possibility. Conversely, if the batter is not in the box in time, he's got a time, too. It's eight seconds. If he's not in the box with eight seconds on the clock, it's an automatic strike. So you might see bases loaded 3-2, batter not in the box in time, strike three called, game over, you lose. Very possible scenario, especially early in the season. This one is going to be the one that is the most difficult, I think, for players to get on board with. It's called the disengagement rule. Bottom line is this. A pitcher can only disengage from the rubber twice in an at-bat. Disengaging with the rubber means stepping off the rubber. It means uh, throwing over to a base. Once you do that twice, you cannot do it a third time. And if you do, it is a balk, and you might lose a game on on a balk in which you didn't actually do anything. They want you to not be able to throw over 14 times and step off 14 times. But if the pitcher throws over once and then the pitcher gets on the rubber and can't get the sign and steps off, then that's going to be his second disengagement. He cannot do it again. So you can't forget the sign. You can't You can't drop the ball. You can't do any of that. That's where we're at there with that one. That one's going to be tough. I can't tell you how many times I've stepped off to control the running game, throw over, or just kind of catch my bearings again, get a breath. That's going to be tough for pitchers. We also know the bases are bigger and uh, not much, but, you know, it shortens first to set, you know, shortens the distance between bases by three or four inches, which, um, you know, easier to run to first base because first baseman and the and the runner have more time to uh, or more space to engage on less collisions there but also uh more stealing right little tiny bit shorter bases more stealing and if you can't throw over a bunch of times then bigger leads and off we go to the races so i am for a lot of these rules right i don't care at all about game time that doesn't mean anything to me i care about action I want to see baseball players play baseball. And in the last few years, we haven't seen that enough. We've seen the game become too analytical, too many strikeouts, too many walks, too many homers. I want to see baseball players play baseball. That's what I love to watch. And if we do things to create more action, more stolen bases, less shifting, more balls in play, then I'm for it. The disengagement rule, I don't I don't love that. The... Uh, fact that in April we could see a walk-off on which a guy gets called for an automatic strike or automatic ball, I don't love that either. But the goal is that hopefully by middle of April, beginning of May, everybody's good. That's kind of what happened in the minors. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. There is no show tomorrow. We've got doubleheader basketball between the Harwood boys and the Harwood girls. There will be a Doubleheader hoops for them. It is senior night, so Harwood hosting U32 on the girls' side. Williamstown goes to Harwood at the very odd. Those games are being played on the boys' side. Right now, Brent Curtis on the call of U32 and Spalding on the boys' side. Go check out the podcast, everybody. Happy Valentine's Day. It's the Brady Farkas Show on DEV.